You're listening to the Gab Street Podcast, Columbus, Ohio's number one podcast for underground talent. Every week we have new conversations with interesting individuals who contribute to the Columbus economy and its lively culture. You may find just what you're looking for right in your backyard. Let's get right into it. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> My edit's gonna be totally messed up. Why would you do that? <laughs> Welcome to another week of the Gab Street podcast. Mm. We are literally Gab Street this week. Oh yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I think the first message you ever sent us was like, hey, it's like my name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I believe we've been mistaken for you before. Yes. Once. Really? Yes. The very first time. <laughs> We met uh, Joseph Keith for the very first time outside of Declassified, and she was like, hey, you're you're that lady, right? Yeah. And we were like, no. Nah. That is so funny. <laughs> nah, dude. <laughs> that, well, that ain't you guys, us. I'm taking over, apparently. Yeah. You, yeah, just to, just host the show from now on. Just for today. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, if you couldn't already tell, uh, today we have Gabrielle Solange, uh, her... Instagram handle, I was looking for the words there, is Gab's Whole Story. Is that correct? Yes? Okay, cool. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Solange. Solange. Okay. You have to say it with a French accent now. Solange. 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 Yes. Okay, okay. I, I took but French no, for But no, no, just Gab's Solange. Cool. All right, all right. Cool. So, uh, we've been trying to get this shit to happen for so long. Uh, when did we first... We've been trying to get Solange for so long. I, Dude. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> I just tried not to be corny and point it out. No, his, his job is to be the corny one. <laughs> Are you dropping bars already? Like, to, at this point in the episode? Dude, I'm so proud of you. Um, <laughs> can we get some ad-libs real quick? Um, yeah. That's okay. all you get. That's fine. That's That's enough. I'll, I'll keep it keep it simple. Yeah. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, one of our traditions is to have uh, podcast ad libs. Got it. On, on the episode. I need to I'll stop saying "brat" because like I've never owned a gun. That's true. I got. That's very true. You got to stay real. Yeah. Oh gosh. So we're actually going to ask some questions today. We're not just going to sit around. Do you not and, normally uh, mess do around. that? No, we we do normally <laughs> ask questions. <laughs> no, we just talk at each other. The guest never says anything. Um, so before we begin. Uh, I have a couple things I need to address. First of all, uh, this episode is sponsored by Revolter Pictures and Bill Shaft. You will hear messages from both of them in the middle of this episode at about half an hour. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see Revolter, Revolter Pictures commercial that they filmed, and Which it's is really hilarious. Great. It's so awesome. <laughs> um, and they're making commercials for everybody, so please go check that out. And uh, Bill Shaft just dropped his Revenant album uh, today, uh, as of this recording, so uh, go check that out too. He has a lot of shows celebrating that. One more thing we have an anniversary party for the first year of Gab Street. Holla. Yeah. Uh, Officially, our anniversary was on February 6th, but uh, we are having the party on leap day because that's when we could get the venue. Um, and you should come to that and uh, hang out with us. We're going to have a ton of performers, uh, including my man here, Zay mm. Crypto, for the first time, his debut performance. Yeah. And we will have a roast of me at the end of the evening. Uh, so anybody can come in and just kind of sign up for that and uh, go up on stage and, uh, you know, lay into me. So... Uh, figured that would be a, a bit of a crowd poll. That's kind of that's kind of cool that my debut performance is on a day that's not even real. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Yeah, for another four years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, with all that said and done, first thing I want to mention, which I think is super cool, I wanted to ask you about confidentity. Because I think... Are you wearing it right now? Or yeah. No? Uh, so am I. You gave this to me at uh, TEDx, which we will talk about later as well. But uh, what's the idea behind confidentity? Um, uh, I mean, that's kind of... Maybe, uh, I think, it's, I guess when I get, when we get more into my story, it'll make a little more sense, but for the most part, um, it just means confidence in your identity. Um, and I wanted to come out with something about confidence, um, just because of something that I was going through and I held on, I like went through names for years and all of a sudden one day, like I was reading about Shakespeare and how he made up words that we still use or something. Like eyeball, yeah. And I, I was like, wait, you can just make up words? <laughs> I'm doing that. And then that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. I was like, I want to make up, that was, became a life goal. I was like, I want to make up words that become part of the English language. Cool. Yeah. And that people are like, you know, Gabrielle made that up. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I respect that. That's awesome. Um, with TEDx where you gave me this wristband. Let's talk about that as well. Your TEDx talk, as of today, yesterday, uh, came out on YouTube. Yay! And, and it came yes. out during Black History Month, which is so cool. Just oh, yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. How do you feel about, because um, I've, I've been watching a lot of stuff about this recently, us having specifically a Black History Month, as That's opposed to- That's a good question. To, that was not in the notes. It was not in the notes, I'm just thinking about it <laughs> right now. I've been ambushed! But, but <laughs> my personal opinion, I think it should be every month. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a little uh, a little reductionist well, okay. to have it just in February. What, you, what you're saying by that is it's like, we should just teach black history in school. Exactly. Yeah. It shouldn't be, you know, put into just one section of the year. It's a little corny. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an attempt to try to fix something. But I don't think it's a good attempt. Black history but is art history. So, I, I, what, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, as the black person in the room, yeah. <laughs> um, I understand where you guys are coming from, and where a lot of different people are coming from. Um, and I've been back and forth, even with being called African American. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have my own opinion on that too, because mm -hmm. um, my mom is not even American, and there's just different things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, honestly, I think there's, as we progress, things need to change. I think at, f for instance, let's just say there's, and, I, and you have to understand, I have to be like, think a little bit about these things because uh, the internet is forever. Mm. And yeah, I do really care about um, like the message that I'm sending and I want to be clear so if I don't really have an answer I don't try to just make one up um, but I mean honestly like I love Black History Month and I understand that it, black history is American history but I think the reason why we had to have Black History Month is because there unfortunately black history wasn't being told and I know that it seems and it is tragic um, that like I could, as a, a person in America, many kids will only even hear about a few token characters throughout history, um, like the the ones that 
don't make people feel too uncomfortable during a month and it's like all right all right oh, we filled our quota of talking about it all right let's move on and that you could take it that way um but i and there's been times where i felt that way um but i just choose to see things as like a seed and something that you have to start somewhere and when yeah. no one's talking about it at all to just be like you know what can we just please just talk about it and if like at all like sometimes and then and if they're like okay well you can have this month like i'll take it not because i you know i don't know our value but i'm like you know what we got to start somewhere and i don't want to you know despise small beginnings i realize that we're coming from such like su- like such such like tragic events we're still coming from that place and it's even right now with what's going on as a black person it's really you have a choice to get really caught up and feel discouraged or to realize how far we've come and to decide like I want to build on that I want to I want to like not in like a wimpy weak way but in like a I want to be grateful for how far we've come I want to honor the sacrifices of everyone before us and so no at this point of where we're at um one of the things that I love lately is like it's just been a recent thing I'm like hold up a black movie came out and it's not even February. Oh my God. Like that's literally been blowing my mind. And I've been rejoicing. I've been happy. Like it just makes me happy. And not only that, thanks to the internet, like just an, like black history facts are just like flooding my, my Facebook. And you know, what's really crazy. And this is something that I have to realize is like a direct effect of the brokenness of my culture is like, I almost felt like, why is there always black history stuff at first? Because I was just like, I almost felt like just bombarded. Like it was a weird feeling. And then I realized that it's just been held back so much that now we finally have the power to create our own narrative mm-hmm. thanks to the internet. And and I, I almost felt like, I think the reason I felt hesitant to like celebrate it or share it is because unfortunately I had learned to just like only do what made white people comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I was like, kind of like, almost like, oh my gosh, another Black History fact. If I share that, it's gonna look like I'm a, a, um, a radical person. People aren't gonna like. Mm-hmm. I know that's sad. That is. It's sad, but sad. it's something that I instinctively felt, not because it's like how I actually believe. It's just like you you get conditioned mm-hmm. to, to like censor yourself and shy away. Um, that's my story. That's honestly what my TEDx is about. Yeah. And so I think it just. The progress that we continue to make and the choices I continue to um, see presented to me show me how much healing is still needed, not only in my own nation, but even in, in myself. So I love Black History Month because it's like I have, because our nation recognizes it, 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 it has been throughout my life the, the time where I get to be unapologetic about being Black. It shouldn't be that way, but it has been that way. And now I think it's to the point where we can be like, all right, y'all, come on. Let's just let's just be let's just change things. Let's let's move forward. Wow. Let's put out Black History movies in November and whenever we want to because this is history. Let's stop being offended and trying to keep people from telling their story. And like I love what I love where we're at, and I know that there's a lot of hard things, but I'm just I just want I choose to be thankful. Mm-hmm. Okay. I never considered it like that. That blows my mind. The fact that you would get some anxiety about sharing black history i know right that's crazy i mean i know i get it i get it but it's like, crazy it's so crazy 
Yeah, because the history that's taught in you know high schools and some colleges mm-hmm. is just European history right now. Yeah, or it's, it's either you know in Europe or it's the colonization of other places yeah. by Europe, and then nothing yeah. before that is really talked about. You know oh, what I man, mean? Yeah. Like I don't really know because of my education and where I went to school what was going on in say Africa before it was colonized because we yeah. started focusing on that you know At arena of the world it's like, on yeah. its colonization. I was you know. lucky enough to be homeschooled for the first like half of my. Uh, education uh, like probably like up until seventh grade I was homeschooled so my mom Sweet. actually did a good job about teaching me about actually world history not just that's so so sweet yeah so I don't know I probably have a bit of a different perspective on it yeah I don't really actually care that much about my own history as a like like ethnically like I don't really know um, on my dad's side they're all from like Eastern Europe, like Slavic people. I really, honest to God, have no idea what happened. Yeah. <laughs> like all I know is those people were like, they were they've pretty much been broke since civilization started. <laughs> they've just been <laughs> living in peasant huts <laughs> all this time and drinking vodka. That's that's my ignorant knowledge. I don't really know my uh, my ancestry really either you know i think i'm kind of irish and kind of english but that's about it Mm -hmm. so i but i don't really mind that i don't know that i mean i know plenty about the english side like everybody knows about the english oh yeah english one like you know what's crazy about that like while you guys talking it's making me think since we're on the topic of black history yeah Mm -hmm. um me and my best friend um we're just talking about like why do black people care so much about their ancestry and she was just pointing out like white people don't do that yeah, when you really guys are don't. you guys are literally proving that, and we came up with actually she came up with a conclusion and shared it with me and I was like that makes so much sense. And she's like the reason why we're like searching and um this there's like been like this huge like wave this movement of ancestry tests and DNA tests, is because like in our in our current time like we didn't we didn't feel like we had like heroes, and we're like there's there's just been a black movement of like searching for identity and searching for like where do I belong because I don't feel like I belong here. There's like a, a yeah. hyphen in my in my identity here in this nation. I'm not American. I'm African American. So let me find out who my African ancestors are. Hmm. I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean. Wow. Yeah. So you don't feel like an American? Oh. I definitely feel like an American. Well, maybe that's not the right way to put it. Um. Or I am an American, so... You are an American, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but you feel like it's necessary to include that hyphen? Oh, man, we're getting so controversial. What? <laughs> oh, no. We always want to no. go controversial. Maybe not necessary, but <laughs> do, do you feel, like, attached to the hyphen, the African-American? Um, I think it's the same thing with Black History Month. I think what used to be... I think there's this double... And there's... There's double possible meanings with everything we do. Mm-hmm. They're like, and I, I really don't want to make this about, I don't want to like do a speech about the things I feel about black history. Go right ahead. I don't want to. <laughs> I'll just say like there are things, um, I don't necessarily feel comfortable making this all about that. Okay. But let's just say um, there are just things that we can choose to own and celebrate. But I also feel like in, in, in another sense, 
from from the people who are making those labels there could be an additional like you're not fully american we need to label you mm-hmm. it can be like that too and i think like as black people we can we can eat it, it's not wrong or right to want like well i i want to be african-american i want to remember who i am because i don't feel like i like how i got my start in this country i don't feel fully american i don't agree with american values because we're not all the way free like there's that um but then there's also like no like my people have contributed to this country so much and i i'm i'm american Mm -hmm. and you need to own that as others and so there's like there's those two you know views and i think they're both right yeah yeah i think i would agree on that i've got a really weird opinion on race like me and Corey have talked about this but i really like i think race is like an old-fashioned way of thinking I've, I haven't identified as a white person, like, personally in a while. I kind of just consider myself a human or, like, an American now, which not everybody likes. But I think that it would just be a beautiful thing to see everybody let go of their skin color and just come together as humans. Absolutely. I mean, it's not possible. Not at all. I believe anything is possible. and I think, Well, not right now. It is possible yeah. in the future. I do. I believe anything's possible, and I I think there's a big distinction between race, which, like you said, it's like a it's a it's a made up thing. Like yeah, there, it's just not like, like why don't there's we the have, human race. Why don't we identify by our eye color? Why don't you? Why <laughs> it don't could you... be any. Like the thing is, like okay, so I took African American history in college because I was just on this identity quest. Mm-hmm. By the way, I loved that course. Oh my God, I loved my teacher, Mr. Mm-hmm. Coleman. Um, he's just rocked me, changed my world. It really encouraged me as a young black person. Where'd you take it, if I may ask? Actually, I took it at Columbus State, where you go. Oh, but okay. he teaches the same course at OSU. Nice. And he actually used to always joke me. He's like, "Y'all, man, you got a deal." And actually, like, there was a few uh, teachers that did. Like, I took a European history from someone who also taught at OSU, and they were like, man, you're getting the same courses. <laughs> Literally the exact same courses for a fraction. So it's like, just wise to start off at Columbus State like you're doing. Um, but, um, I think, what we, I want to make sure I stay on subject. What, what exactly were we talking about? Uh, you took an African history class and oh, yeah. identity search. Like, I think, Culture and heritage—that's different—is just so mm-hmm. different than race. We're a human race, mm-hmm. um, and I just think learning your hair, like what we learned in the class, was like how different movements, um, like the slave trade, were never really a- about skin, but it was about greed. Mm-hmm. Like even if you think, uh, and then and it becomes your perspective, so it becomes about skin. But you have to start with some lie, some deception, um, and uh, he used to. He always say like it was about greed and improve it throughout history and show us like the very history of it and like even with the holocaust it was about greed it was it was about greed but somehow you know propaganda about their looks and their noses and like oh like mm-hmm. it somehow became that because you know that's what you do you create a lie to mask how evil it really is we're very visual creatures yeah we yeah i'd say that's a good way to sum it up yeah. So and, yeah, I, I think it's 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 you know kind of made us yeah see each other that way. What it's very it's very somehow. odd because like there's this uh, there's this kid uh, at my job who is an immigrant. He came here from the Congo a few months ago, and 
um, there are some people out there that would see you and see him and lump you two into the same category. But you and me have so much more in common True. than you have with him. And, and you know what's funny is when I go to Uganda, because I've been back and forth to Africa. I want to talk about that. There are sure. people yes. who would actually, there, they lump us in the same category. Mm-hmm. They literally, some of them were like, I was like, yeah, man, something, something black. And they're just like, wait, you're black? <laughs> I swear, they literally, they call you Mzungo. Hmm. And that means outsider or white person. And they're like, Mzungo, Mzungo, to me. Wow. Literally. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, I come from America. I'm, la- I'm like, if you look at my skin compared to their skin, it's just such a difference. And it's actually closer on a spectrum to the white people, mm. especially the tan white people. And so some of them were more like in the in the villages they didn't know i was black but like in the city where it's like more like modern they knew i was black but they also knew that i wasn't like you know black black and they were like oh you're like one of them was like you're like obama you're like obama like whoa it's like a, a girl who's like obama you know because you're like you know you've got some of us in you and they're really embraceive there's they're so embraceive they're so um they don't have like silly politically correct that's another story I won't get into but okay. they yeah. want us to share their they want people to share their culture they love it it's an honor they yeah I love going there and it was a big healing it was another component of my healing not only taking that class in college and going on my own journey um, but arriving in a place where like brown skin is the beauty standard that just it was like an alternate universe. Yeah. I just looked on the billboards and the commercials and mm. on all of the... I was like, what's happening? I am the beauty standard. They're like, African queen, eh! And I'm just <laughs> like, uh, yes. Like, I just didn't want to... I did not want to go home. Yeah. I didn't. Not the first time. So so you've been to both Uganda and Peru, yes? Actually, Peru is supposed to be uh, the up-and-coming trip, and now it's okay. been postponed. Okay. So I'm just kind of, you know, building a relationship with people in Peru. It's kind of up in the air. Go contribute to the fund for it. Uh, what website is it on? Uh, is it a GoFundMe? It's on. It is. And it's okay. also on my website at gabriellesolange.com. Okay, cool. I'm going to say that one more time. gabriellesolange.com. Uh, go find that website. Go contribute to the fund to go to Peru. It's an awesome project to undertake. So uh, I would like to hear more about that. Uh, what? So when did you go to Uganda? I went in 2016, and then I went again last year. Okay. And I want to go back so bad. I just a team just came back, and they were like, someone left me a voice, like a voice message, and it made me cry because they were like, oh my gosh, everyone was asking about you, <laughs> and it just like it just like blessed my soul because. It just showed me, like, you know, sometimes you wonder if you're really making a difference or if anybody could go. Like, if, if the fact that it's you going means something, you know, and the fact that what she told me that the people were saying about my time there and how much they missed me, it just made me cry because I was like, wow, like, I really make the difference. Being myself does matter. It's not like, you know, just throw money at a situation or, you know, like me being there, my personality and what I was doing with them made a difference. That's cool. And that what, must be a nice realization. What were you doing though. in Uganda? Um, a lot. Um, so <laughs> I'm actually um I'm actually a missionary. Mm-hmm. So I go and I preach the gospel and just like sh- pour worth into people, and just tell them they're amazing and and then I actually do um and like pray for people and see really cool things that don't always see in America, like genuine miracles. Um, 
that's a random topic, but hmm. it's true. It's just true. Like, um, yeah. And then when, when you say miracles, I'm curious. Can you tell us? This is gonna be the weirdest podcast, y'all. If y'all stop. <laughs> oh no! We've I'm already, so trying we've already to had be episodes. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, be yeah. yourself always. Uh, I like nothing's like, off the table. Like real <laughs> miracles. Like people would get healed of impossible things. I personally had an injury of seven years that was incurable when I went, and I was refusing to go on any type of trip like that because I thought I'd be a burden. But I realized that my injury was holding me back from life and I used to say stuff like you know one day I'm going to be healed by a miracle or something because I wasn't meant to live this way it was like all the way up my left side my spine was always burning I couldn't walk without a ton of pain Hmm. I thought I would never do music again like it was really really bad and I would wake up early every day the team didn't know but I was in so much pain that I would wake up early and go up to this like special room it was like a meditation prayer room and I would just like I couldn't sleep because my spine was burning so bad and oh. I would just be there but up before everybody else was awake and I would just pray and sing and just like you know just try to be positive and um while I was out there I hadn't been doing music that trip changed my life I had felt like broken like really broken um from some of my history in like the music industry and I had felt because of my injury for so long I just felt like I had nothing um, I had gotten so much weight because of my injury, too, because I wasn't able to do the same exercise and martial arts and stuff that I'd done all my whole life. And so as just a woman in this culture, like, I just felt worthless. And even, like, knowing that a lot of times my talent will be less appreciated unless I look a certain way as a woman in the industry and in, even in my city. So I just, had, I just, like, didn't have a lot of confidence, which is part of that message. Um, it was really about body image and all these things, but I wasn't writing very easily. I had a lot of anxiety when I would try to write. Um, I wasn't using my voice often. And when I got there and I saw the miracles happening and I saw, like I did, I wrote a song for some children in a village and I saw how powerful it was. I saw some pretty supernatural, like crazy, amazing things that like, Rock My World, it, it just took my faith to a new level, but it also, the I think the, the, the peak of it was just like facing a lot of these like traumas that I had been through throughout my life, facing a lot of like the rejection or the sense of failure, um, the contaminated motivation of something that used to make me feel so amazing, just making music, wanting, caring what people think too much and all of that. Not to say that I'm completely 100% free of that. I think I'll be working that for the rest of my life, but I definitely just came into a new level of identity. And um, I just remember like seeing all these good things happen for other people and being like, man, God, are you just gonna like let me go home and still be in this pain? And and then realizing like, I don't wanna be bitter. I don't wanna try to figure out, place blame and blame myself, blame God. I don't wanna do that. I just wanna believe that God is good and that I can have make the best of what I have. And I remember dancing with the African people knowing I'm gonna be in pain because every time I danced or did anything strenuous like jog, I would be in pain for days. And my best friend was my roommate and she would make fun of me. She's now my next door neighbor. <laughs> She's like, for life. And, um, but she would make fun of me and call me like the living dead because I would be in so much pain when I wake up, I'd be like, mm, uh, and I would like stumble out of my room and she'd go, like, it's so bad. Oh. She'd be like, you're like the living dead. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, sometimes things are so bad you have to laugh. Yeah. And um, 
I, it was like that though. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be in pain, but like, what if I never get this chance again? I'm in Africa, like the motherland, this place that is like showed me my beauty and showed me God in a new way. And I was with these orphans, and I grew up, you know, in a hard situation in the foster care system, or like just like all these things. And I remember relating to the orphans so much, and and also being scared to relate to them because they had a level of underprivilegedness that I had never experienced. And then I suddenly was the person with privilege for the first time and it was a weird feeling and it was, I could understand. I was like a, I forgave people for treating me that way. Not that I was like holding on to it bitterly, but the truth is like, I just understood. I just suddenly had grace. I realized like it's scary to put down that wall and feel what someone in that much pain and that much poverty feels. It's scary. And it was like this moment, this like, revelation moment and I just remember dancing knowing I was gonna be in pain leaving going back to the hotel room after like because we slept out like in the dirt and there was crazy like giant spiders like all kinds of stuff it was crazy but when we finally got back to the hotel where the beds would hurt my whole body I just remember going to sleep and then I was laying in bed and I was having this weird experience and I was listening to a song that I love by Colby Calais um it's like this really cool like woman empowerment song and all of a sudden, the music sounded amazing, more than it ever did. And I was just like, that's weird. It's like a trippy experience. I was like, am I tripping? Like, why is the xylophone standing out in this song? I don't know. It's just like, I just felt this high, this like wonderful high of just like that I was worthy and that I had done great things for the people. I felt close to God. I felt, I just felt all these amazing things. But suddenly I realized like I moved in and my, my leg wasn't in pain. And I was just like scared, and I I just I just was scared because like oh no, what if it's all in my mind and then it comes back? I just felt all this anxiety, and you know some doubt, and then all of a sudden this I heard this voice that was just like why are you so afraid of pain, and I just was like what, and then it was like even if the pain comes back I'm still with you, and then it just went away completely, and then I that was it. I woke up. From, oh, I wasn't sleeping, but I got out of bed. I, I took my artificial arches out of my shoes. I ran around and was like, what the heck? Oh my God. I told everybody, you know, they were like mildly celebratory. Like, oh, that's really great. I'm like, do you know? Do you know? So I come home and tell my boyfriend at the time and he freaked out. And he's like, man, I gotta work on my faith. Like, you know, you tell, you know, we, we say we believe in different things, but you know, it's kind of like a cultural thing. We say it for our own little safety, but if we ever have to take that risk or or see what we really believe, that can be hard. But when you're in the middle of nowhere and like all you have is like God, it strips you. Like one thing I love about my mission trips when I go on them with the teams is like, there may be like social barriers, there may be social statuses um, and positions that, you, that they have where, they're, where we're at. But when you are out there and it's just y'all and it's an entire other culture, like it strips all of that away. You become best friends. You're willing to like poop in front of someone while they guard you in a squatty potty. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. You just get stripped. You get completely stripped, and you feel and you have these these experiences that are like mind blowing. That you can't. It will take. It takes a lot to let to to get rid of those. I've seen people come back and like get depressed because they can't reconcile like the level of humanity and spirituality they felt when they come back into this environment. 
and it either will make you a better person or it'll make you like hate hate your existence because you just like you know that it's like you just realize you were in the matrix yeah. that's what it's like it really is and so for me I was I, that's how I got my legs back that's why I can wear these shoes without looking like I used to not be able to wear any cool shoes and I remember I, I told my boyfriend he's like wow like wow like oh my gosh wow and then like I told a doctor because I went to uh, my back was still hurting just from like all the wrong walking that I did and there was some inflammation I had to like start eating different and everything and like working walking out what I need to do for myself but the original injury was completely gone and I went to the doctor and he's like so this it was like this incurable thing I had tried like arches that were like man-made like custom to my foot I tried good feet store I like like x-rays like everything for years ultrasound and he was like, so what happened now? Like, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, and I just basically really short was like, well, basically God healed me. Um, and he was like, hmm. Uh, so did you hit your head while you were in Africa? And wow. I, just, like, I just started laughing. I was like, no, oh, what's wrong? Like people just don't have any hope or faith or concept for, for supernatural things or miraculous things but for me that that is my world that is what I really live pursuing and believing that's why that's why if you ask me like you know simple questions that seem political like I want to choose the good I want to see the good because it's like I learn that that's a choice I have and when I make that choice I open up a world of possibilities that might have not been there we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear a message from our sponsors Revolter Pictures and Bill Shaft Hi, I'm Anthony Cardosi, award-nominated actor for Revolture Pictures. We can make your next commercial. Here's some testimonials from some former losers whose lives we've changed forever. I've been selling potato blankets for years, but nobody would buy them. They had no idea how great my product was until I stumbled upon Revolter Pictures. They helped me to show the world that my potato blankets are number one. Wasn't that great? Revolter Pictures makes all kinds of commercials for all kinds of people. Just check out this former loser. My friends and or family told me that I would never find anyone to make a commercial for my secondhand bread store. But thanks to the guys at Revolter Pictures, my business is through the roof. Are you still not satisfied? Okay, <laughs> check out this testimonial. Before Revolter Pictures, I look like this. Now I look like this. Revolter Pictures is a group of independent filmmakers who want to bring your vision to life. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at revolterpictures at gmail.com. Gap Street Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Bill Shaft, a 19-year-old rapper whose new album Revenant is now out on all streaming services. He's an event planner for Sluggish Records from Chillicothe, Ohio. His new project has features from Dirty Sanchez and Desi Hines from Pro Era. Bill is really someone to watch in 2020. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at BillShaft47. That's B-I-L-L-S-H-A-F-T 47. To find his music, just look up on all platforms Bill Shaft with a dollar sign. He and Pete Lynch do sluggish events there will be a lot of shows coming from them this year so keep track of them and look for his interview dropping on april 22nd of this year now back to the show 
that's a great story. I think you two might have something in common. Yeah, we do. Well, I need a miracle like that for my legs. I know what you mean. It's awful, and nobody knows just what it's like because, like, you're just you're just limping a little bit. They don't know. Yeah. I don't think my injury is as bad as yours was, though. I think mine's curable, but it's going to take a while. We know miracles can happen whether they're small or big. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question I really want to ask. Uh, since you have a lot of experience dealing with people like, like the orphans in, in Uganda. and I wouldn't say a lot, but... I mean, a, a certain level of experience. More than us. Yeah, yeah more, than, more than we do. <laughs> I'm not like an expert. <laughs> I want to hear your opinion on... Because I eventually would like to become a licensed therapist. Mm. That is my career path and life path, yeah. personally. And one thing I'm curious to hear from your perspective <laughs> is... Uh, what is the most important thing to understand, both from your own experience and the experience of others you've helped... Uh, when you're trying to give resources to those that are disadvantaged, what are the best things to provide and what should you avoid? And if that's a very hard question, I understand. I but. think it can be, but it can also, some things are simple too. Yeah. I think the best you can provide is, um, let me put this right, self-worth. Hmm. I think that's so important. Um, you can provide, if you can, implement that into anything that you're doing whether you're teaching a skill whether you're providing connections and resources and interviews like if you don't work at and you're going to be a psychologist so you can do this but if you don't work at like getting them to see their own worth hmm. and then then none of, none of it matters um there's uh i'm actually going to start working with something called project grow Okay. with uh, an OSU student. He won a prize to start his own, to fund his own nonprofit for a year, which is epic. That's He's my awesome. Friend. Yeah, and yeah. it's awesome. And um, I'm going to start working with him to partner with something called the Star House. And it's people who have been, like, most of them have, like, been in the foster care system or something. They're struggling with homelessness and lack of resources, lack of family. And it's, like, a drop-in place where they're transitioning into adulthood, transitioning into... And a lot of people don't understand, like, the normal problems that... Like, one thing that, and I like that you asked me this because this is actually becoming my focus. It has always been my heart, but I had to, like, kind of, like, pick, not be picky about the gigs I chose, not be picky and, like, just do everything for the last two years. Um, but thankfully, towards, like, last year or more, I started getting opportunities to use my voice and to, um, you know, sing and, and get, like, just, like, get work um, doing what I actually love and um, at the beginning of the year I went um, to go listen to testimonies from adults who had transitioned out of the foster care system and what it was like for them each of them had a different story you know I cried so much because I related and I just felt angry learning about some of the corruption children's services uh, and I actually did a children's service event at the end of last year too, like mm -hmm. just singing there. And I think one thing, like the, I was trying to learn like the common theme and like not just use my own story as a reference, but listen to what, it, what other people feel like they needed. What would have helped them better? The people who ended up on drugs, the people who ended up homeless. Um, and I think resources, duh, but 
I think like there's some things I realized listening to their stories and then I made me realize things in myself. There's there's trauma that we don't account for just as human beings, period. But then when someone's also going through that, um, there's like these orphan spaces inside of us that can't like we can't sometimes we don't want to cook. Why? We don't know why. But maybe it's because you you had an abusive situation and your mother never wanted you in the kitchen and you felt like unworthy around that you felt like so when you try to get creative it makes you feel this like craving for family that you'll never have and you just can't take it there's that there's stuff like that there's you know there's so many things and i think like if you're ever gonna like try to provide a resource i think just making sure it's a holistic process and um and I don't think like any human can necessarily like, make up for all of those things in another human. Um, but I think we are definitely a vehicle for that and a connection and just like a help, you know? I think it's ultimately my, my responsibility to pursue my own wholeness. But when people um, are patient with me, when people call out the gold in me, instead of seeing all the dirt, which is really easy to do, um, I think, that's uh, something my pastor says. He he's like, it's really easy to find dirt when you're looking for gold, mm. but it, it just takes a special kind of person to to actually call out the gold, anyways, in the midst of all of that. And I think I can look at a few places in my own life, um, key places that shifted the trajectory of my whole life. There were teachers, there were mentors, there were people who provided me not only resources. But the, the, the thing I know what made all the difference, whether there was a resource attached or not, was them pouring identity into me. I had someone, I had a, a third grade teacher say, you are a good writer. And I had already by then learned like, hey, don't stand out too much. Don't outshine a white girl because you won't invite like some, some hate, like you don't want any attention. And that's... You know, that doesn't, it's not a race thing. It's just like, that's my story, but other people have other things. My point is just that when that teacher called that out and she wasn't apologetic about it, I was like, I was embarrassed. Kind of like I was scared to share black history. Mm. I was like, whoa, no, I don't, I, I don't want to be too good. I don't want to make anybody mad. It's like, I, but then I was like, wait, she says that I have the right to be good and that I have a future ahead of me. And that sent me on a path of being creative and believing that what was inside me was worth getting out. And I think that feeling carried into other things. When I was feeling suicidal after running away from home and going, going through all these things, I would write and that was my safe place. And I think later on I had a counselor, like you're gonna, sort of like what you're gonna do. And I remember asking her, or her asking me my my dreams and all the other counselors, all the other you know psychologists, counselors, whatever, they weren't as smart as her. They tried to get me to talk about problems and identify with the problems, the things that had happened to me. Hmm. But she, I went through many, like it's a string of them, and I didn't care. I was like, oh my god, and they kept sending them because this is like the law. They're like, we need to make sure she's not, you know, she's so traumatized, whatever. And she was just like, hey, what do you want to do? I bet you never get out. I was just like, oh, when I go to Wendy's, I never get like food that I want. She's like, all right. So every time she would take me out, she had like some budget from the place, whatever. She would get me to talk about what I want, boys, my dreams. And one day she said, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to, oh, I can't tell you. It's embarrassing. It's impossible. She was like, no, it's not impossible. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to be a famous singer. 
and then I want to come back and help girls like how you do she's like Gabrielle it's not impossible and this one person saying that bothered me because she was someone I looked up to mm. and I think it's like when someone who is in a place of privilege or authority goes out of their way to use that place in someone's life that influence and to pour into them freely and intentionally that changed me and I I went I that became a possibility to me and you if you look at my you know if you know anything about my story that became my my life and I'm still walking that out and I think um each time I had Jackie Calderon she does transit arts and she does like a lot of really awesome stuff in the city still and she decided that I wasn't a problem child I was just misunderstood and those shifting of labels helped me see myself and then she put tools in my hand so there comes the resources she said I think you can paint I'm like I don't think so she's like here you go <laughs> and then giving me opportunities so I would say I don't know I don't think like, like psychologists like have all the power to do each of these things but just like the full picture of what we can do for people is one give um, assign worth to them a value to them that can be through many different ways it can be through words of encouragement it can be through opportunities that we trust them with um, boundaries that we set instead of enabling them actually calling them to a higher standard with patience and understanding with trauma-informed of course <laughs> and then um, resources attached to that because there's this you know there's like this gap where sometimes we just throw resources at people and when they don't get it well, then we're like see that's why we can't waste our resources but then it's also like well no we just need to like give them the the the, the words and if they know the truth and they don't do it, that's their fault. But like, well, no, they don't have the resources. And so it's even more discouraging. But if you put those two together, then we have uh, an actual, like, we have a, a formula that, that can work. Corey, you taking notes? Uh, mentally, yes. <laughs> Technically, we're recording this too, so I'll be watching this back. Um, you know, that's, uh, I am going to apply all of that. And I had never heard anything like that before, seriously, from any, like, any, like, psychology professor or anybody that was in, involved with my education toward that. I think that portion of it is very neglected. Really? And to, to nerd out a little bit. That's an interesting point. <laughs> <laughs> I, Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to nerd out just a little bit. Um, there were, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, sorry, Mr. Savage, but... Uh, <laughs> There were Mr. Savage. Mr. Mr. Savage's name. I okay. love it. If you're listening to this somehow, I love you, and you do a great job educating. Just so you know, uh, you were my favorite teacher in high school. Anyway, so I took a two-year course called IB Psychology in high school, junior and senior year, and it all leads up to this giant 34 paragraph test that you have, like you write that many paragraphs total from memory. And um, one of those prompts was about, I always categorize things like this, um, abnormality in psychology is uh, highly, like there is a class called abnormal psychology, it is a field of psychology, and it was all focused on negative aspects of a human psyche up until relatively recently like 1980s or 1990s all of it before was here's wrong with people that are abnormal here's here's statistically different and it was all just about negative health traits mm -hmm. and someone named Jehoda I don't remember the first name but 
Jehoda created a positive mental health study, uh, uh, the system to focus on standards for positive mental health. And there are seven of them and I don't remember any of them, but I, it's not focused on. And a lot of, you know, like psychologists know this if they've taken classes about this, but this, the current system that is created by, not created by, regulated by the government for mm-hmm. therapy, for insurance, you have to have a diagnosis in the first session huh. to use health insurance for it. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. it's out of pocket. That's crazy. I've seen that, where they try to almost like force a diagnosis on you. Exactly. And so we have all of these people thinking that they have... And diagnosis is such a broad spectrum, and it's based on having oh, yeah. this many out of this many... Mm-hmm. This how many like check uh, yeah check yeah. marks yeah and so many apply to so many different things right. and you may have all of these and it might not even be that right you know and so because we're humans we I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute let me nerd out um, we we have all of these we have to check check marks because that's yeah. that's how we are as humans and um, I think a shift that's part of why I want to go into the field of psychology is to make a change toward the positive direction and not, you know, charge out of pocket just for me to tell you that you need to take this medicine. You right. need you need to medicate for this. You're you, there's something wrong with you and you need to fix it for the people around you. The point the the idea that I've had behind trying to go into it is um is, is exactly that self-worth idea and and having a conversation with yourself that is mitigated or mo- moderated by the therapist. It's not the therapist is not supposed to give you advice is not to tell to tell you what to do. The point of a therapist, in my mind at least, is to, like I said, moderate a conversation with yourself so that you, mm-hmm. you're asking the right questions. The other person knows the answer because you're asking the questions. They didn't think about those answers before. So you're just bringing those out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I think about therapy. <laughs> that's really um, interesting that our mental health care system focuses on the negatives because I've read a lot of self-help books to try to just have a better mental attitude and all of them say that this sort of thinking is what uh, like drives your health your mental health downward like Mm -hmm. it's positive thinking that stops you from getting into these dark mental places and you're gonna change all that I'm going to try. <laughs> and we're not doing that, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, it's insane. You know what? That really makes sense because I don't like therapists. Whenever I've gone to a therapist, I just feel depressed. Like more depressed than I was before I went to him. Because they tell you you have depression. Yeah. And so you... <laughs> no, which is, it so sounds true, silly. Bro. No, but it's... It's, so it, it's like so smart. It's, it's more so they're just like, so tell me about your childhood. And then I'll tell them about my childhood. And I'm like, Right. Fuck. Right. That's, now you see why I said like that counselor that helped me. Is she didn't do that. Yeah. She said, tell me about your dreams. Yeah. Now, no one has ever asked me that. <laughs> That's great. There is a way for that to be effective, though, too. Because there, there are two ways of doing it. And one is, you know, funneling self-worth. Yeah. Funneling is kind of a crude term for that. But you, you know what I mean. Um, and second of all, you can uncover one person's source of trauma. Mm-hmm. So you can find the... I'm forgetting. Mental blockage. 
Yeah, yeah. Ba- basically, like what what they're what is causing a certain behavior that is not making their life as easy as it could be. Right. Pretty much. Right. And you can find that. You can unearth it. Exactly. A lot of people will unearth that and then leave therapy. Exactly. That is the worst thing you can do because <laughs> the rest of the process is to help you accept that and make it part of your journey mm-hmm. instead of have that just as, oh, this happened to me and this is why I'm wrong. Right. And I'm going to think about this as part of my identity as a negative thing from now on. Right. And that's so not how you're supposed to do it. Um, you're supposed to keep going through, but you can't force somebody to keep going through therapy. It's a free country, right? We can't, we can't have mandatory therapy. It's also very expensive. Exactly. It is. And, you know, we have to tell you there's something wrong with you in order for you not to have to, you know, give yeah, us so a ton of money. Yeah, my mom's health care gets me three sessions every year. So That's insane. it's 2020. I get my new, I get some, some free sessions. So three, uh, three hours and I'll have to wait till 2021 for the next ones. You just need good friends. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't even want to go, but she wants me to go. I just rather talk to my friends, but... The, it seems like the only way we can change that system and the way that that works is to make an argument that sounds appealing to the people with financial interests in this in, in, in this industry. <laughs> you right. So here's what I propose. Okay. <laughs> we say to these healthcare professionals that are monetizing our mental health uh, that... A person with healthier mental habits, with better mental health, is a harder worker than someone who... Seriously, I'm (laughs) not even kidding. Okay. It gives them a better sense of self-worth, and when you work for something, that is one of the biggest sources of self-worth, you know? And I'm not saying that this is the argument that I want to put out there, because that should not even be part of the equation. Yeah. But I think we I have you. to, for the people in power... No, you power, have to strategize. Exactly. It's like having Black History Month. It shouldn't yeah, exactly. be a thing, but right. you got to use what you have. <laughs> yeah. So I like it. I like it. You have to appeal to the... The investors. The, the, way, the way things are, not the way things need to be. To our rulers. Yes. I like it. I, I really hope you do all this stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And this podcast is kind of practice. Yeah, no, I do. I see it. I really so. do. While you're talking, I won't get all mushy, but I think I just really, I mean, I, I really believe what you're saying. Like, I genuinely see you doing that. And I'm like, you can do it. I hope you know. I hope you know you literally can do that. Thank I'm going to keep, I'm going to hold you accountable. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we can hold each other accountable. Is that the first time someone said that on the show while you've been here? <laughs> that they're going to hold me accountable for something? Because I, I think that like might be the first time. You think? Yeah. You know what we need in this world? We, as creatives, we were talking before, before this started, um, like just showing other creatives through this podcast and other people, um, innovators and thinkers, like what's available. And I think one of the things we need is like camaraderie and people to hold us accountable. Like me and my best friend, we hold each other accountable to our dreams. And we have like, we, we literally like schedule meetings just to work on our shit. Yeah, that sounds like me and Corey. <laughs> oh, yeah. And me and Luke. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And you just got to do it. Yeah. So if you start telling me something, I'm going to believe you. And I really do. It's not, I don't believe what everybody says, but it's something that I just feel so, that it's who you really are. Thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> that, yeah. I don't, I haven't heard that on the Look show before. Look out for Corey in the <laughs> Coming to you next decade. <laughs> A therapist near you. <laughs> a therapist, a therapist and uh, I, I would say like a public figure, slash with with ther- with 
with training, with psychological background. You know? You're going to drop the hardest therapy mixtape of 2032. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this and you'll forget all your I problems. I mean, no, you just have the personality and you have the uh, uh, sincerity of someone. I could see, honestly, that's why I came to do this. Like, I knew it was just like a small thing, but I was like, you know, I just, somehow you get people to, you disconnect and I don't know. I like when I find stuff like that and find people like that. It's it's refreshing and I don't know. We just all got to. St- I just believe in what you're doing and I wanted to to contribute and be part of it. Thank you. Because I really do. So now you prove more. Like I really think that we can. Like there are some people, you know, they they have you know their platforms and they're making a big difference and um, I definitely think there's no reason why you can't, shouldn't be one of them. So. And the why I shouldn't be one of them, and why you shouldn't be one of them. That's the point. Yeah. Like we are the change, you know? Yeah. Gap Street is going to be bigger than you know. <laughs> it's going to be bigger than me. I want it to be bigger Absolutely. than me. Absolutely. It's already bigger than you. It is bigger it than has me. More, you have more followers on Gap Street than you do on your personal page. <laughs> yes. so, That's totally a measure of it being Yeah. <laughs> Just look at the numbers. That's yeah. all we know. <laughs> so the focus of this show is Columbus. Yes. Heavily. And I, we, we've talked about your mission trip to Uganda, and I want to hear what you've learned about, what you've learned from that experience into what we can do better as a city for the disadvantaged areas that we have. Because, fun fact, not really that fun of a fact, but it's a fact. Uh, I learned this while I was interviewing uh, Cassie Young and Jalen Alexis from, um, or no, Jalen Grisso, Jalen Alexis at her Instagram handle. Um, Matter News, the, the founders of Matter News, and they said that from their research, Columbus, Ohio, out of the United States, is either the or the second most uh, financially and racially segregated city in the United States. Interesting. Yeah. So we have areas such as, you know, Franklinton and Linden and Whitehall and that are less advantaged and have less resources. And it seems like nothing's really being done to fix that, mostly because our government is self-appointed every single year. Yeah, that was some crazy shit, bro. That's some, like, break the matrix type knowledge. Andrew Ginther, uh, I want you on the show, but I'm going to tear you. I'm going to tear into you because nobody runs against you and there's a reason why. But (laughs) anyway, there's a reason why no one runs against you. Uh, And it's not it's not because there is no one that wants to. So, anyway. I think Scott Woods has a chance. Yeah. If you know who that is. Scott Woods. Scott Woods. <laughs> Mayor Woods. Shut Mayor up. Woods. Scott Woods. Vote for him in the next election. I don't know what his platform is, but whatever. <laughs> we just need to get the establishment Democrats out of here. The people who know who he is will, will love that shout out. Okay, cool. That's good. Cool. Um, so, I wanted to ask, uh, what can we do better as a city for disadvantaged areas? And maybe not from a governmental standpoint, but right. you know, from what we've already been talking about today. I, I won't pretend to know um, okay. because I, I think Thank I'm you. just in my lane, <laughs> yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the stuff I said before, like just providing resources and hope and putting that, making sure that holistic approach. But I guess it depends on your role in society, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I mean. Like, I won't pretend to know what the whole city can do because I just have to find my role and make sure that I am applying that to the city. That's it. Like, I think we, if yeah. we all just like kind of like be in our role and like be in our lane and use like for instance you're you're doing psychology you could just do it so that you can make money and have like uh live on a ranch somewhere 
but you choose to see like, well, how can I like maybe shift perspectives and even learn and, and find a better way to like move my city forward and help people. I think it's just like whatever you do, just be considerate. That's really it. It's that simple. You know, some people have more power, some people have more resources, but whatever you do. Hashtag LSD in the water supply 2020. <laughs> do you want me to explain that to you real quick? No. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't care. That's a gas street no. meme. It is I, a gas street meme. <laughs> we had Morgan Harper on the show for okay. a, a while back. Like, oh, that's so cool. You know, I actually hung out with her she is like so a cool, few isn't she? weeks ago. Yeah, not long ago. Yeah, she is one I was of like, the oh, thank people. you for meeting. She's pretty cool. She's really pa- very passionate. While we were interviewing her, you said that we should put LSD in the White House water supply. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, um. <laughs> wow. What am I supposed to do with what this information? What the heck? It was Y'all so funny, crazy. though. Well, I mean, that's that's what we're here for, though. You get some pretty cool guests on the show, too, for... Yeah, we do. You really do. I think it's something special about it. It says something about you, too. You're very cool. A... Yes. <laughs> Only the best. Let's see. Do what I episode have... is this? This is, this uh, is 54. 54. 54. Yeah. So we're into the second year now. That's true. Season two. Season hey. two. Yes. <clears throat> Do I have any lengthy Who was the first guest you had for the year? For the year. Uh, just Keith. That was uh, the... No. Uh, January 1st <clears throat> was when the uh, co-host episode came out. So we did a retrospective episode because I did the show... Mm. At the very beginning, with my man Gage, and we went for about 22 episodes, and um, he came back on. I think it had been 28 episodes since he had been here, uh, and hung out with us. And you know, we had a couple co-hosts that we've had, including you. Yeah. We've also had Alex Johnson. Shout out Alex Johnson, minor mm. figure on Instagram, Revolter yes. Pictures, very funny dude. Yes. Um, he's, he's always there to comment on my posts. That's true. Thanks, he, man. Okay, for real, best fan to have ever yeah. for anything. Yeah. He's just so supportive yeah. about all. Like, it makes okay. me feel bad because I don't go on Instagram enough. But like, shout out you. Yes. Um, but yeah, we did. Uh, we did a quick episode with everybody, um, and then after that, Joseph Keith was the first guest that it was not. Yeah, involved with the show. You can't forget already. Mia though. Mia was a guest. Too. Mia Nicole was Mia also Nicole, on that episode, yeah. and that was that was very. <laughs> that funny. was a great episode. <laughs> so funny. They are very raunchy. Um, <laughs> so that was awesome. Uh, yeah, we kind of we kind of uh, slide on either side of the spectrum on this show. Yeah, yeah, because we yeah we'll go serious and then we'll have pussy boy on. Yeah, like we'll have the raunchiest people on the show, and then we'll have people like Mike Delicchio, mm-hmm. where you know. Uh, he did, he does the Columbus uh, Food Truck Festival on um on the side of Mile and such. So I like that you you let people be themselves. That's pretty cool. What else can I let them be? You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't doesn't make sense for me to project anything. Or that you're open one. to showcasing people who come from different perspectives. Oh yeah, for sure. That's how we solve the problem. Columbus is so diverse, especially for the Midwest, like what it's, do you mean for the Midwest? I want well, to dig into that. Because the Midwest is not that diverse. That's true. Like, if you leave Columbus... All the rural areas. Mm-hmm. Is, it's yeah. a very stereotypical, like... Yeah, man. I'd be feeling like I'm going to get lynched when I drive outside of Columbus. Yeah. I'm dead for real? serious. Yeah. I'd be driving. I'd be seeing stuff, like, feeling like I'm in um, Get Out. Like, I just wow. feel like... 
Don't want to get blown over by a cop. <laughs> yeah, for real. I've never I'm heard so that before. Serious. We always joke about it when I'm driving like to Toledo or another city, like passing all these small towns. Some of the so, like, some the of the billboards are questionable. Like I'm like, like what? That, that hell is real billboard. Like, I don't know. Oh there's God. like a no. There's a, there's some weird ones. I I don't want to. I'm just I'm just like. Mm. Yeah. Like worse than that. There's definitely some ones I can't think of exactly what they are, but I have them in my head. I don't want to say them wrong, so. Mm-hmm. So, in this kind of leads <laughs> to another question that I have, um, and if, if this is a difficult question, and you don't know the answer, Pass. obviously, same thing. Um, <laughs> but um, oh, how do I phrase this? So, the people that we're talking about in rural areas sometimes feel a little more empowered to be a little more outward with their bias against certain people. Mm. To put be it in specific. a very neutral way. Uh, people out there be racist. <laughs> and uh, very yeah. outwardly um, as we have... Well, that might be a representative small sample out of that those people, so we may be inaccurate, but you actually you have that feeling out there, so I'm going to go off yeah. of that assumption. I don't know, um, man. Um, the well, fact... The question I'm going to ask... Okay, I'm sorry. Not sorry. to... Not to step on you, but um, how does one with an unconscious bias living in the city that is not able to, well, rightfully so, not able to exude that attitude, but is trying to actively fight that unconscious bias, how does one fight that bias? What are the steps one needs to take? The bias, like, when they're in that area? Um, like, here in the city... There are obviously, like, in every city, there are people that are racist. And if we think about it psychologically, there are people that are racist that don't want to be racist. And this is a thing that Mm -hmm. happens where their unconscious bias leads them to automatically separate different groups in their mind. I mean, no matter how you think, we all think in terms of race. Like, I don't even believe in race, but I still think in terms of race. Because because it's socialized. It's been bred into me. It's Yeah, it's crazy how much... You can subtly find that in all media and everything around here. Um, I, I wanted to see if you had any any opinions on how to fight that bias. So are you saying how to fight it in other people or in yourself? In yourself. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, I think it's funny. I mean, I've had to fight it within myself. And I'm black. Yeah. But I think... Again, like to my, I, I think like with my TEDx, like kind of talks about like you know before you're ever introduced to race, you know what do you see? What is the first feeling? And you see those, you see those um, posts going viral where a white girl gets a black doll, and the 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 clerk is like, why are you getting that doll? Is it for a friend? And it goes viral, and people are like, oh, we're so racist. And it's just like, well, I mean, I think you just have to. It's sad, but you have to like choose to renew your mind with the truth and you have to make sure you don't feel guilty and you don't own those thoughts Mm. like if i if i i think the reason we're not healing is because we don't want to admit that we need to be healed from that because then we're admitting Mm. we're racist and that's the worst thing you can be called right and so it's like but if we can just say wait a second i don't think that person is as capable because they're this way or that person's not as you know attractive because they look this way or whatever it is if we can acknowledge that in the moment because we've chosen to be aware that we can take that thought captive and apply truth to it 
And literally, like, if you... And you're, you're into psychology, so you know about ne- neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. You can literally take that captive and apply a new... You can... A new perspective. You, you can't help that first perspective. That was bred... That was wired into your brain. But you can proactively renew your mind until you rewire yourself. You can literally change your mind. And I think I've been on that journey with my own self-love and how I view my own self and others. And every time... Because I've chosen to take that journey... Um, Sometimes it's heartbreaking, some of the things that I initially think. Yeah. But because I've chosen to take that journey, um, and a lot of times it'll be triggered by someone else's, like, like bias. They'll say it, and I'll get mad at them, but then I'll stop. This is a practice that I do. I'll stop and be like, wait, do I secretly think along the same lines? And I'm getting mad because I see now how ugly it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll find usually that there's some of that in me too, and I'll be like, oh, wow, that's not, that's not true. And then I have the opportunity to apply what is true. And suddenly it's amazing. My feelings, like my everything about what I'm like, whether it's an attraction, whether it's just like a belief or a comfortability that I suddenly have, suddenly my feelings just match up to that. I control that. I can change how I feel by, by first choosing to change my thinking. You're transformed by the changing your thinking. Um, and we all know that. We say stuff like, oh, it's so you start the, the battles in the mind or it's all about the way you think is how your world will be. We know, we know that, but it's, you know that it's science. Mm-hmm. And I think just like, um, that's just the truth. You have to be willing to admit that you have that problem first, just like in any anything you're trying to heal from, you have to admit like, oh, like, I have a bias. Like, you know, yeah. um, and then you have to be willing to not run from those things and deny them when they pop up, but to be like, wait, 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 you thought, come here. What did you just say? <laughs> no. Yeah. That person, like, even, like, there's, like, you know, like, um, body image, body positivity, like, fat shaming. Like, if you realize, you can realize, like, I don't like myself and I don't want to go out, I don't feel worthy because I'm not the weight I want to be. You don't have to live with that feeling. You can be like, wait, but what's the truth? Like, and you can apply that truth. And that might feel hard because you're like, but that's not what the world thinks or that's not what, but it doesn't matter. Like, you have to just choose the truth. Regardless of whether the rest of the world is saying one thing, you have to choose how you're going to feel about it and how you're going to see the world. And that's just how it is. Yeah, we, we didn't think in terms of race when we were born. None of us did. Yep. It's it was all. a beautiful time. It's, yeah. Uh, another thing I'll say, um, I was just talking to a really good friend. She's actually about to move to Uganda temporarily to adopt mm. someone oh into her white family because she went there on a mission trip and she just was so moved. Um, and there's already a lot of controversy that's starting to be apparent to her. She's becoming more and more aware of black issues that she never had to be, and she was homeschooled. Mm. So, like, that innocence that you talk about, that, that like, there's, like, this protection, you know? Yeah. And she had that. And, and when she first started to, like, get things pointed out to her, people first said, like, oh, so you're going to do her hair, and, like, da 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 and these fears came. Like, people were going to think that she shouldn't have this kid, and that she has no right to have, like, all these things. And then, like, you know, you want to... You know, like, and one thing that one thing that discourages people who are in marginalized situations when like others who aren't experiencing that dismiss their concern, dismiss their pain. Like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean. It. I'm sure it wasn't like that. And so she started realizing, like, when like maybe I'll tell a story and I'm like, oh, that person said this. She's like, well, they didn't mean that. And then she stopped and be like, wait, but why would they say that though? Yeah. It. it ouch, I like that person. That person's amazing. And yet they said that. Wow, like, we're so much... I'm ex- 
I'm, I'm going to bring a kid into that. And I, and she, at first she told me like, and she's so smart and she's like, she's so like, I think she's just like an amazing person because she's just adjusting. And, th and that just proves to me like, like humans can, humans can be amazing people. Like sometimes we like demonize a certain group of people, but she's this proof of like, just the ability for people to learn and adjust and, and change. And one thing she said was, she's like, man, it was really uncomfortable. I wanted to not be, she's like, I felt like, you know, why do I have to be aware that that person's black? I was innocent. I want to stay pure. I want to stay. And then, then she, she said, but then I realized mm -hmm. the truth is like in a perfect world, I wouldn't have to be aware. And I got spared of that because I was homeschooled and raised well. But if I want to fight it, I have to be aware. And I have to, she's like, it's kind of selfish to want to stay in a bubble. And she's like, and that's what privilege is. And she's like, and that's what my white privilege is. And she was telling me like how the first time, the, for the very first time, she was always like aware in theory, but as she's getting closer to like adopting this black kid, she was just like, I saw two men, two black men at a bus stop. And I just felt this feeling I'd never felt like this intrinsic thing that she couldn't control. This overwhelming, like they know that they're black men and they're aware of all this, like all these things that she's heard she suddenly thought like, she's like, I never have to think and question like my, like how people see me or my ability to make it through the world or feel, you know, she just, I guess I don't, I don't even understand like, all that she felt, but she just said that's the first time she like literally felt in her body and in her emotions, what it must be like as close as she'll ever get than actually being black. And the fact that she was willing to feel uncomfortable, that's, that's the most beautiful thing to me. I'm like, man, like you're an amazing person. Cause she told me like, it was a struggle. I don't want to, I don't want to know that. I could just blame the world. Like, well, they're all racist. But she's like, but if, if I don't choose to learn about what's going on, how can I ever fight it? And if I truly, you know, I, she's like, it's just like bad to be on the sidelines and stay ignorant. You know, just as bad as it, almost as bad as it is to be racist. Like and Martin Luther King said, like the people who he basically talks about passivity and mm. you know just the illusion of not being part of the problem just because you're you know not actively participating in something um and so i think she has it down and she's like an amazing person a really great friend and she's like preparing herself to help fight these things instead of just like enjoying her privilege and ignorance i i do that is the best way to fight it really is to engulf yourself in what you're trying to fight. Okay, I have a way. I have a question. Yes. There's I don't want kids. There's no way I'm ever going to adopt an African child. But um I I do know what you're talking about to a certain extent and I'm always looking for ways to fight that. What do you think that I could do in my current situation? So current I don't right know. now? As a white person in Columbus, working a, like close to minimum wage, I'm just a regular person, you know. Yeah. Like, but throughout my day to day, is there anything you think I could do to I don't know, enlighten, spread awareness? Honestly, I once again I think it it can be simple. I think there's certain things that we have. There's a difference between like having privilege and like not wanting to ruffle any feathers, and then like using the strategy and using wisdom and saying, okay, it's not wise to say this right now. There's a difference. And I think a lot of people just like, don't want to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, 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 I think just 
if you have a chance listening to someone's story, yeah, not I mean, being offended, mm-hmm. you know, just not taking it personal. If yeah. someone is upset at white people and like, like someone already commented something negative on my TEDx mm-hmm. and they were like, uh, what did it say? It said overcoming racial tension. It was like, really? Like, you know, that's not possible as long as they said, as long as white people exist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They said that you can go read it. Um, I gotta go. Uh, and yeah, like, so we're on some, like, what, what's that dude? Oh, the Marvel movie. We've tried to like get rid of everyone. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, let's all the white He's people disappear and make a better world. <laughs> you know, and I think I could have been, you know, I could have, you know, been irritated, like made you part of the problem, or white people could just be like, see, this is why I don't do anything, or they could be like, you're a per- bad person. But instead, regardless of whether you're black or white, I'm like, ouch. You really believe that. Mm-hmm. That has actually been your experience. How much pain have you been in? You know, and that's what I, you know, you got to do that with each person. That's all. It doesn't make, ex- you don't make excuses for them. Yeah. But you just try to offer a different narrative and be like, hey, like, I just said, like, I'm, I'm really sorry that's been your experience. But, you know, it hasn't been mine. And I know how hard it can be. I know how hopeless it can feel. But I choose to believe in us, in humans. No black, no white, just in humans. And some of my favorite people in black history are white people. Hmm. They're people who gave up their privilege to march alongside. And some of them lost their lives. And they didn't have to. That's mind-blowing. So. Yeah, we we need a whole lot more education. Ah, true that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could go into why I think uh, the government's de-educating the population, but we don't have to go into that today. We could spend the whole I, I hour thought this was like a could. creative podcast, like for art, but it's definitely this is like <laughs> turned into a okay. The be- this is like no jumper mixed with Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to do that for Columbus. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the point. This is like honestly, actually, no, I'm sorry, because no jumper is ratchet. This is like the non-ratchet version of no jumper. <laughs> Good point, I guess. Yeah. Any yeah. other music questions? <laughs> yeah, we should talk about your music. Was like, so, <laughs> so you call you call the music that you make uh, experimental pop to free flowing jazz. Mhm. And I I agree with that, and I think on your Spotify and your SoundCloud and such, I hear more of the experimental pop. And every yeah. time I've heard you perform in person, it's always I've heard the jazz. Yeah. But I've never really heard a mixture. I've, I've never heard one or the other in the opposite space. Yeah. I was wondering if that was deliberate at all. No. It's it's just one of those things, like kind of like how I said, like now I'm being more pickier about like the gigs I take, hmm. um, but I have to do everything. I think when I create, well, first of all, I'm not creating with a band. A lot of times I'm creating just with my laptop and with my synthesizing keyboard. Okay. Um, so it, it starts to go more towards like electronic or pop. Or do you just, produce your own instrumentals? I do. That's awesome. I know. Damn. Producer. Okay. Um, Great job. It doesn't mean I don't <laughs> work with other people. It's just like I, I used to, I just like I love it. Yeah. Um, but the shows that I was getting happened to be it just kind of opened up to me. And also, I kind of like I think there's sometimes where you gotta push what you want, and there's other times it's just like you know I don't even know all what I really like. Music is just like endless and limitless. And so when jazz opportunities started opening up for me. I just found a new side to myself Hmm. and I loved jazz and I found that jazz honestly can go anywhere you want it to go and um, 
it's just the opportunities that were opening up. I just followed that. And I think I think it's funny because you see a lot of artists when they like make it big and then they suddenly change. People are like, oh, they're being fake. I'm like, or they're being real. Right. And people are allowed to like more than one music genre. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just how, I mean, I think I was in a, I, you know, there was that pressure to be in a box when I was in, in my old band a long time ago. And I think I just never wanted to go through that. I just knew like music is first and foremost for my exploration and to free myself. And if, of course I wanna make it excellent, of course I'm gonna do my part to like get it out there. And I believe in it, um, but for me, and I, you know, you don't, nothing, no new thing is popular when it first starts. That's why it's, it takes off because it's different. And I really just wanna find what I have to add and contribute to the music scene by just being myself, so. Do you, would you like to talk about the old band at all, or is that less of a topic you want to cover? Uh, it's not necessary. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> then we will move on. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, so, I first saw you live at ComFest, and I think, have you only played ComFest once? Um, where, did you see it on the jazz stage, or? I think so. It was the stage by the Greek church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you saw the Dimple song. I saw the Dimple song at Genoa Park. Genoa Park. Oh, oh, that wasn't as cool. Man. <laughs> it was the, still super cool, but... But the Dimple's performance at Confess was just... It was epic. I actually didn't know who you were at that point. All I saw was this person exuding this immediately powerful presence that I... Like, I, oh, my, stop it. Seriously, I'm not kidding. My, my attention... <laughs> had to go over here. And normally when I'm walking around Comfest, I don't really take everything in that well. It's just a lot of people go there just to smoke weed. Um, <laughs> I don't smoke weed. Or to like not wear shirts. It's like, Exactly, yay! yeah. Just kind of, ah, oh, we'll just be, right. we'll just I'm kind like, of float around. if you run into your like boss, I don't know. I always wonder like, <laughs> what the heck? But continue. It's like, we won't talk about this at work. <laughs> okay. um, but I just, I remember that experience and I we were leaving at the time so we were leaving and we were passing the stage and we just kind of stopped and watched for a little bit and I didn't f realize that that was you until we had started communicating later I was like well <laughs> cool I saw I saw this a long time ago and I was immediately enthralled by it so uh all of that has led to this so I think that's, that's super cool how that works um, but yeah, I mean, you do have uh, an extremely powerful presence on stage, and I think that that is explained by the passions that we have talked about earlier. So I have a lot of respect for that. I think that's really cool. Thank you. Um, thanks for the dimple song, by the way. Yeah. Because <laughs> we both have dimples. Yeah. Uh, that's really dimples, cool. Sorry, I keep like kicking you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to ask about you have your... dimples too of course yeah. yes it's yes exactly it's the dimples anthem yeah oh yeah um you do creative workshops as well i do and uh could you take me through kind of a tour of what one of those looks like yeah i kind of customize them but for the most part like come into a group of kids uh and just kind of get them talking um depending on like if they know m about me or not like or have an idea, sometimes I'll show them other stuff that I've worked with now that I have like stuff to show. I'll be like, hey, I'll, sh I'll play some stuff and they'll be like, I'll be like, hey, so kids your age made that. And they're like, whoa, 
I'm like, we're going to make a song by the end. You know, I'm trying That's to like, cool. but when I didn't have anything, I just started from scratch and it was pretty fun. It was super fun. Um, so thankful for the Columbus Urban League who like kind of gave me my first shot hmm. at like, like a real paying gig. And that just, Giselle, for, she's, um, she's like the person in charge of the program and she really just gave me a hand and helped me kind of find my worth and find like just be professional about it and I kind of caught up like you know like artists we we do the art and then we have to like figure out all the other stuff that goes with it and the business and the networking and all that stuff so she definitely gave me like uh, my first big shot I'm doing projects and I work with them every year um and then so yeah I like have this session it's like hey so what's going on and whatever's going on like I'll tell you a story, um, one of the craziest ones, um, I went to a high school, they're kind of like a second chance high school, like the mm. people come in and out of shifts for high school, um, some of them are like kind of into adulthood, or maybe I think it's up to 20 years old, um, and maybe some of them have kids, some of them have jobs, they wouldn't go to a regular school, they wouldn't, they would never make it in a regular school, and they're not, you know, they're maybe a newer school, and they don't have like a lot of money for stuff, you know. So I walked in there, and it was for me, you know, that's something that I, like I said, just like we're gonna, we're gonna be doing that for the rest of my life. I'm gonna be like recentering and remembering the purpose of what I'm doing, and trying to trust that because you can get real caught up um, in just trying to make it, just trying to like, I mean, like even like just trying to pay rent, and then once you have that, it's like just accidentally just finding your value in like what people think I'm hmm. um, nothing wrong with accepting praise or compliments but just finding my identity in that I don't want that so like I was in a mode where I was just like oh I need a job well, okay good I got, a, I got another gig I'm gonna work with these kids whatever and I got there and I remember like there were some people there I think there might have been cops and they're just like hey um, we're gonna have people coming in and out like, there was just a murder hmm. and one of the suspects one of the students oh my god and I was just like Oh, and they're like, it's fine though. Just sorry for the environment, but carry on. And it was just like, oh. And I always look for a deeper meaning to things. Sometimes I actually get a little antsy if I can't find a deeper meaning. I'm like really dramatic. So, which is like, that's not always good. But immediately I just was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to be here for like way, way different, like way bigger than just like simple, simply like getting a check real quick. And I just remember getting to know those kids, staying with them, and volunteering. Most of the time there, I just volunteered. I came up there on my own time and hung out and, you know, coached them. They had a, a talent show coming up, and I, I took uh, me and my boyfriend at the time, we, like, singled out this one kid and coached him through his performance for the talent show, and he ended up winning. That's and cool. just, like, it's just such a cool, special, special thing, like... Um, I think you can't save the whole world, but you just got to believe like the ones, you know, there's just this certain ones that stand out and just take what you get. But for the most part, you know, that was a very strange, interchanging thing. I just kind of did whatever I thought worked. I did make a song with them, um, but we ended up having improv workshops and we made like, we just made stuff. I did vocal coaching for some of the girls who were not confident in singing. But for the most part, a normal workshop would be like songwriting. Music production, I open up logic, I show them like this is how you take a loop and cut it. This is it. We talk about the feel, like what do you want the song to be about? That will determine like the kind of sounds we use. We kind of we kind of vote on like a type of beat. I don't let them do too much because that would like I'm gonna do that by myself. No one can not too many opinions. But once we have that structure, 
I break them off into groups and we start writing. I go visit them and the staff, if they're staff like of the school or the program, they kind of make sure they stay on task. The kids are usually really good at staying on tasks. Hmm. Um, and then when we have enough of a song to put together, um, I start forming the beat a little more based on what's been written, like the timing. And then I bring in a laptop, a microphone, and uh, we just start recording. And I just kind of coach them through recording. And then I go home and spend a bit of, quite a bit of time just like moving things making sure it sounds good, maybe a little auto-tune, just making it sound really good. Um, and I play it on a big speaker for them. And sometimes like with the Urban Link, we actually made a music video this last time, which was nice. super fun. That's cool. Super fun. Um, man, because they love, they really just treat me well there. And I feel like family when I go. And I can just come and go as I please. And so I'm like, I want to do a music video. You guys want to do a music video? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and so I literally like, just gave them each their own part. The staff ended up rapping on the song. And like, <laughs> just... This is so cool, and um, we debuted it at their end of year ceremony for the staff and the families and maybe some of the funders if they were there, I don't know. And I think that's, I see the kids transform when I get to come back to a school and build a relationship, I see the kids transform. I remind them of, you know, who they, like, uh, we did a song called, with Sherwood Middle School, we did a song called, um, it was like, how did it go? Is there, their theme was the Eagles, like that's like their mascot. Because I can't think of it. Oh. It's just something about being together. Like, we're soaring like the Eagles. Are, I don't know. And then they were fighting and stuff at some point. Before we did the music video, I was like, um, hello. And I sung their song to them, their own song. They're like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and we ended up making a song called Love Yourself. Um, and it was really funny because the reason I made the first song with them about being together is because they were being mean to each other. Ah, oh, now I remember. It was like, even though one another... It's just like we're sisters and brothers, something like that. And it was about like overcoming bullying. Hmm. And then the next year, the, the kids who seem to be bullying each other, you find out like one of them had a crush. And I was just like, so <laughs> silly. And I think just being part of them, being with them, getting, I think group projects for me, um, and one of the purpose of doing that, it's one of those things that like are like the psychological tools that you can use. It's like bringing people together including them, giving everybody something to do. They don't have to get on the mic. You don't even have to write. You can be just in the video. You know, just giving everybody, making everyone feel included, um, getting people that normally, like, for one of the schools, there was this nerd kid, and he wasn't, like, as fly as the other kids. He was, like, working on a book. Like, he was writing mm -hmm. a book. Like, he was just a, he was That's a cool. straight-up nerd. Yeah. But, man, his he had bars. <laughs> but the other kids, they're, they, they had swag. But they was talking about honestly some some pretty st stupid things. I had to I had to be like oh, I'm glad you got that out of your system now. Let's write something else. You're <laughs> not gonna write about getting a bag and whatever <laughs> this people lying in the streets. So I think just like what was so fun. I was like, well, he's got bars and you've got swag. I was like, instead of like making him then compare or compete with each other, you know, or shaming them, you know, just make a joke about it and be like, hey, yo, man. Can you help him? Like, can you help him with his delivery? He's like, yeah, I got you, bro. I got you. I was like, I don't know if they would ever talk, you know. But now he's like, yo, you got bars, though. I never knew. Oh, and it's just like, it's super fun, you know. Yeah, that's great. Hip hop brings people together. It does. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> that's super cool. I got some nerd bars of my own. Uh, <laughs> can you take my bars and deliver them, please? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, you're the you're the nerd bars. I'm the swag. <laughs> And that's why the show works, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> how, 
long is this show? As long as you want. Uh, as long as you want. heck? We have been going for about an hour and a half. Wow. Damn, we didn't even take a break. We did not. I've, I've stopped doing that because it cuts off the flow of consciousness. So the I don't flow like of consciousness. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, the it does. There's the nerd bars right there. It, it, you don't want to cut that off because... You sound like you're about to merc someone. I'm going to cut off your flow of consciousness. <laughs> nah, dude. <laughs> oh, we good, man. We good. Um, the longest we've gone is uh, Joseph Keith, an hour and forty eight minutes. I, I thought you let's went play, longer. Let's break the record. Just no, kidding. did you go two hours recently? Mm-mm. We have never hit That's two so hours. Crazy. Do people will, will people will literally sit and like listen and watch that though? Yep. Wow. We have people that do that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's very fun. I like doing this. It's uh, well, okay. I have a very long attention span. Got That's it. not very common. Well, we yeah. could like take little clips of like funny parts and interesting parts, like make little commercials. I have like, been wanting to do them, that. To spread yes. them everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to have time to do that in the summer. I don't oh, have, we have time to do, do that. that right now. Yeah. No, we we have to do that. We have to like, um, honestly, I'll probably do a little bit of it too, because, you know, I I, I'm telling you, like, so that's I'm not going to do something unless I'm going to go all in. What the heck. So yeah, I'll probably take some little clips and might be like, nah, check out the rest of this on. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh yeah. We need a, we need like a Gab Street best of video. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. So we, we have enough video episodes banked We're now. up to a year. We should do uh, season one wow. Gab Street best of. The only problem with that is you most of those aren't of video. You need lots of hours. Oh, oh that is true. Yeah, we did audio only for a long time. Oh, All well, right. that means less to, to sort through. Forget yeah, about those. <laughs> we'll start, how, what episode do we start filming again? Uh, 43 or okay. 44. We can go 43 44. up until now. Everybody <laughs> else, get out of here. 40, mm-hmm. Episode 43 is called Legalize All Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> And it was LSD just us LSD in two. the water. Yes, hashtag yes. LSD okay, in the water yes. to play. We need oh, every guest to say that now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do I have anything else to cover? Let's see. I think it was Alex who started that hashtag. I think so. I think he did. Yeah. Okay. So I have Run Song Studios written down. That is the Creative Workshops. Okay. Cool. I, I figured, but I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to expand It's the tag on. I also give, like, if I do photography or videography or anything. It's just all Run Song Studios. Go check out Run Song Studios. Quick plug. Yeah, and it's Please on my do. website. Awesome. My website's kind of like three websites. I noticed that. Yeah. It's it's really well put together. <laughs> well, thanks. It's very well done. Did you use WordPress? I used Wix. Okay. Wix is good. <laughs> Wix, I love Wix. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a whole episode about website building <laughs> clients. Um, it's one of those skills you have to learn if you are an artist, even though you don't want to, unless you like want to pay someone to do it, which you probably can't because you're an artist. <laughs> That's very so, true. That's very it's true. just one of those things you got to do. Yep. I agree with that. <laughs> Quick lesson. Uh, this isn't super duty tough work, but you just learned. She just dropped a gem on you. Okay? <laughs> you got to learn about websites. Honestly. So, um, still learning. I guess we will just hit the last two things that we do every single episode. Where can people find you and support your work? I know we just said that, but let's say it again. At Gab's Whole Story and www.gabriellesolange.com. Um, you can look up my recent TED Talk. Just type TEDx Gabrielle Solange. And um, check out, you can follow me on Bands in Town to see when I'm playing, or you can even just go to the tour page. I would really love for people to, um, like, log in and, like, kind of subscribe to my website. I don't spam you. It just notifies you when I have a show or if I post a blog. We also have a mailing list. Yes, get on that mailing list. Oh, yes. So get on my mailing list. Let me tell you what I'm doing, and I'd love to see people at shows. Cool. 
And buy some merch. My yes. Confidentity. Please do. T-shirts and stuff. We'll, we'll be picking up some of that for the for the show. I'll, I'll wear it and plug it during hey. some episodes. That'll be cool. Last thing. Do you have any shout-outs to make before we wrap up? <sighs> Shout-out to my best friend, Patricia. She's definitely, like, my... F- Sometimes she acts as like a friendager, like a manager. <laughs> she sometimes she poses as my assistant. She just, too. <laughs> sometimes she poses as my assistant so she can get in free to places and enjoy yeah. free wine, which is what she did at the Wonder Ball and nice. Just like actually like she just been there for me and we're there for each other. Um, and then I would say like shout out to, um, just honestly like anybody who gives artists like me a chance or like provides us with monetary award for the work we do and really puts a value on us. Um, just anybody who's just willing to do that and make space. I think as a city, we were talking about what can the city do earlier. Um, assign value to artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently wrote for, I'm, I'm going to be doing something. Oh, I should, I should say um, I'm doing something on International Women's Day, March 8th. I have like two different shows and both of them are going to be very different. I've got to create an original song for the the evening one. And that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, cool. But, yeah, it's just going to be very different. Um, but for the most part, just like when people... There's like a hustle mode of every career. You know, there's like, okay, you be like an intern, especially like in creative avenues but for some reason like being an artist that that time that you are in hustle mode it can seem never-ending and you can not under like I think I've seen a lot of artists burn out um, just because they can't they don't know how to teach people to value them mm-hmm. and I think also I think people and organizations they will push and push and push and take advantage of you because they're because they know you love what you're doing mm-hmm. and and not consider like if they truly honored and value what you did they would assign value to it so that you can keep doing it. And I think they put that responsibility on, hopefully you'll make it. So let me let me get you to like spend a month creating this thing for our show um, for the exposure. Or there's like, they just, there's yeah. just this like illusion and these ways that like people are taking advantage of that you don't find in any other industry. And they still get exposure for their work and they get paid. Like you don't find that in any other industry. And I think, I think like arts are super impactful. Um, and I just think we need to start admitting that and paying artists, honestly. And to, again, phrase something in a way that investors will understand, uh, what are you going to do without a graphic designer to brand your stuff? It's one, one aspect of that as well. They're an artist, too. You know? Yeah. And a lot of graphic designers are, said, are, are told to take the payment and exposure. Oh, my so, gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I... And I, I do think you, we, we got to pay our dues in the world. Um, there's, there should be things that we're willing to do. Or, or like, But I think at the same time, that whole self-worth, it's kind of a catch. Because in order to create, you have to, like I think earlier I said, you have to believe that there's something worth in you, like getting out, right? But if the world is constantly telling you, well, it's not worth it. The caterer is worth it. This is worth it. This is worth it. The building is worth it. But you should just do it. Mm-hmm. That can mess with you, you know? And I think we just have to just count them in our budgets, count them as, you know, when we can. It's very true. Do we have any other 
Any other points that we want to bring up? Any other topics? Hmm. Any last minute plugs? It's nice meeting you. Nice to meet yeah, you. Very nice to meet you. Again, <laughs> we met a couple times, but thank you for coming on the show. I much appreciate it. Yay! Let's like make this go viral. Yes. <laughs> we can. We just gotta start believing that. Like I, with everything I do, I'm just like it's. <laughs> it's gonna go viral. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> literally, like literally, that's how things are. You just gotta believe it. Let's make it happen. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, I sometimes I mention this on the show, but thank you for making the drive to come do the show. Oh, thanks, Corey. It means a Where lot. Where you come? Where you come from? Worthington. Okay. Yeah, it's not actually that like, big of a drive. Dayton. It is. <laughs> You're, you're traveling here though but it's winter and it's Ohio nobody wants to drive yeah. so thank so, you and my legs hurt fuck you Corey <laughs> <laughs> I, I drag you down here and you know you ever seen the movie um, get him to the Greek I've heard of it yeah I feel like sometimes like I am uh, Russell Brand and um, what's his name uh, the fat guy <laughs> uh Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. I feel like I'm Jonah Hill and Russell Brand at the same time because part of me is like, Cor- I woke up today at like 9.30 and I'm like, I gotta get out of bed to get to Gap Street. And then another part of me was just like, go back to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad yeah. I'm motivating force in your life. You yeah. guys are really awesome and fun. I'm really glad that I was on your show. Thank, Thank you, you for Thank inviting you. me. Thank you for also being awesome and being fun and coming on the show. Yeah. Check us out again next week, every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And get on that mailing list, you Get on that mailing list. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Um, We are... So abusive. Thank you for listening to the show. We are happy that we are part of your morning commute, or whenever you listen to this, thank you for making us part of your daily routine or weekly routine. Um, We won't stop. Don't worry. This is still going to go on. Uh, tell all your friends that you believe in the city because you watch this show. Uh, everyone who listens is a true pedestrian. And uh, always got to rock and respect the sign. Hey. So let's, uh, let's all do a quick post. <laughs> <laughs>